0: Hey, everybody welcome back into mining stock daily i have a really great guest so a uh, discussion uh with a long lost friend to the show but we're going to get to that in just a few seconds first a quick look at the numbers uh gold was gold futures were trading up north of two thousand dollars early this morning before getting hammered down uh basically again flat uh, just up a buck 50 to 1980 Uh, Silver also was pushing towards, well, it was north of $29, uh, up 45 cents or about a percentage and a half. The the mining stocks per the GDX, red day down 1.2%, GDXJ uh, down 0.8%. So a little bit more volatility. The precious metals market is uh, having a little bit of a flat day all around as we speak. Uh, Things were looking exciting this morning, but have since tempered. Uh, so we're, let's get into my conversation. Uh, if you've been a listener to the show for over the last couple of years, uh, you will remember during PDAC, I have done this kind of millennial roundtable for the mining stocks. And the first year I did that at PDAC, we were happy to welcome Fabiana Lara. You may know her as the Next Big Rush on Twitter and her YouTube channel. Uh, Fabi was one of the original guests on that roundtable discussion. It's been a while since we've had her on the show, uh, but ladies and gentlemen, she's back. Fabi, welcome back to Mining <laughs> Stock Daily. It's so good to hear from you.
1: It's it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, nice to see you too, and nice to hear you.
0: Yeah, it's nice to hear you too. Uh, you have since uh, uh, moved from Canada to Europe. You're now in Portugal. Yes, I uh, am. But your thesis and the what you're doing with. Uh, your money and mining stocks hasn't changed. Uh, Can you kind of just, what have you been doing for the last year, girl?
1: (laughs) Okay, so I've kind of gone quiet. I know most people haven't really heard anything, any update from me in the last, I don't know, at least six months or something like that. Uh, And what I decided to do is, uh, way back in the days, I posted on my channel about my financial goals and I kept looking at those numbers and I I said to myself, you know what, maybe there's another way of doing this. Maybe instead of just doing, you know, the old style, accumulate capital gains, you need to have a massive amount of money so that you can live off the passive income of the many millions that you get to. Maybe I can just, you know, skip a lot of that and go straight to cash flow, you know, and the best way that I know to get cash flow is through business. So I have been putting a lot of energy into businesses, uh, one of which I opened uh, in Brazil. It's a brick and mortar business in a sense that it's real and I come from an online business uh, background. And so that happened last year. So that's why most people didn't really hear about me and what I was doing. But uh, the the thesis is still the same. I moved from Canada to Portugal. I'm sad to say I moved mostly Uh, because of tax reasons, it just made so much sense for me to pay less (laughs) taxes in a place that has much better weather and cheap wine. And so I said, yeah, why not? Let's do it. And yeah, don't regret it. It's been great. And now I'm just stressing over which stocks to, to keep and which stocks to sell, what to move into following this whole silver slash gold bull market very closely and very happy about it very excited too
0: hey, one of the things i've always appreciated about you is you have this sense you've got a f- a finger on the pulse of many different things like when you were in canada you were very keen with what was going on with the resource exploration community uh you know, you've always had a kind of a good inclination of the geopolitics in Brazil and willing to have a conversation about that. But now that you're in Europe, uh, you know, obviously you've got firsthand experience of what's happening there. Uh, can we focus on kind of the uh, the climate? I mean, not, not the weather climate, but the uh, political climate, <laughs> the, uh, you know, everything that's happened s- since COVID this summer and what you're witnessing there in Europe.
1: Okay, so... I can speak a lot more about Portugal than the whole of Europe because I have seen a few different things happening to a few different countries that don't really match. But I guess the theme in general is that um, the political uh, sort of, I guess, conflicts that used to happen in the past during COVID, they were kind of put to the side uh, because this was something that really scared Europeans to the core um, as being, you know, maybe an older population, people that have lived through, you know, very difficult things, sometimes war. And so when this hit, people were extremely scared uh, and compliant. And it, polit- politically, things got, you know, very quiet. Um, economically, we, have really, really felt the effect of the lockdowns. Um, I can tell you, as soon as things started shutting down, it, I don't think it was even four, maybe five weeks, when you know we started to have to collect food to give to people because they literally had no food to eat. And I'm talking about dozens and dozens of families, not just a couple. Mm-hmm. And so the economic impact of a country that needs to go and knock on the, on the door of the, the European Union and, and the European Central Bank to say, hey, we have no money left and we can't print it because we use your currency. It, it's been completely devastating. I understand, um, and I'm a, a big, um, you know, critical voice of printing money as we know it, but it, it is actually... Uh, an advantage when it comes to this because there are countries like Portugal, like Spain, like Italy uh, That are literally just running out of money uh, jobs are not coming back about 43 to 47 percent of all Restaurants in Portugal are thinking of shutting down forever And so yeah, it's it's been a tough environment. It really has economically. They have really taken a hit
0: yeah well I'm really I'm really sorry to hear that but um, th- you know thanks for sharing uh, <laughs> you know your idea of what's going on there it's uh, but I you know best of luck to you and uh, your friends and family there and uh, thanks for keep keeping doing the good work and helping your community I think that's more important now than ever before right given all this
1: thanks yeah it really is and I'm very lucky in a way because my income comes from abroad and so in that sense you know, this is this is something that I have been learning as well. And I, I tell everybody, I'm a complete nobody and you should listen to me because the things that I do that are mistakes, I'm willing to share. And I have no problem sharing the things that I'm learning because I think that's how, you know, people can actually make a difference in their lives and, you know, just make more money at the end of the day. That's, that's what we're here for. Uh, what happens is... I've been looking at different currencies and, you know, currency devaluations and it has really, really served me very well to have, you know, something in euros, something in Canadian dollars, something in US dollar, very little and something in the Brazilian how because the Brazilian how has been so devalued, you know, that has really hurt me. But at the same time, that's not the only only currency that I hold. And so once if I would give anybody uh, especially if you do anything, you know, across different countries is do not ever keep all of your eggs in one currency because I have seen uh, that just completely destroy people.
0: Let's talk about the the currency devaluation. I mean, obviously being in the U.S., I look at the Dixie and the dollar pretty closely. I mean, we're at a multi-year <laughs> low hanging on just north of 92 on the DXY, which is interesting. Uh, we've seen, Gold and silver respond over the last couple of weeks uh, through uh, the dollar dropping. Mm-hmm. What have you learned through all this uh, to create better returns for you now than maybe you uh, lessons you've learned? You know now from lessons you've learned over the last few years.
1: So uh, the main thing really is to make sure that if you're making an investment that you're taking into consideration the the potential for currency devaluation more heavily than just the return on investment and this is a big mistake i did uh, just last year with my business in brazil so uh whenever i made the transfer in order to make the investment in, in like a lump sum um i think that the brazilian real was 280 to the canadian dollar And I'm not sure what it is now, but I'm pretty sure it's like 354 or something like that. So it means that my investment needs to make a lot more um, in order for me to just make that money back or I have to stay in that investment for much longer than what I intended initially because, you, you know, you have to take that into consideration. On the other hand... I am looking at really interesting opportunities uh, in Brazil. Real estate is extremely cheap um, uh, for the same price that I purchased uh, this uh, apartment here in the middle of the pandemic, by the way, (laughs) in -hmm. Portugal. I could probably get, you know, something for investment in Brazil. Um, I guess the this, this stuff I've been looking at in the more touristy areas with uh, seven to ten bedrooms to Airbnb, you know, like proper guest houses and things like that um, for approximately approximately the same price. Wow. <laughs> so a three-bedroom a three unit in Portugal buys you, you know, a ten-bedroom unit in Brazil. And I'm not talking, you know, in the, in the middle of a slum or anything like that in a nice touristy place close to the beach. And so it kind of makes you wonder, you know, can I use what I've learned in the gold mining space to also invest internationally? And I think long term, the answer is yes, because when you're buying something like real estate and, you know, things that are bricks, mortars are, you know, real, then eventually, usually the the price does come to a level where, where you see your return. And what I mean by, you know, what I've learned from the mining industry uh, or mining investments in general into international investments is that uh, seeing a currency uh, being devalued doesn't mean that it's going to be revalued to a decent level in the next one to two years or anything like that. Uh, But it does mean that you might be getting closer and closer to a really nice entry point. And, And that's what I do. I actually changed my... A description on Twitter to simply, I catch falling knives. <laughs> because I've discovered that that's really my only talent when it comes to mining investing. I just, I catch falling knives. This is why I've been in uranium for several years, uh, because I see a chart that looks like absolute junk. Um, there's pounds in the ground, there's ounces in the ground. I look at it and I'm like, hmm, if I believe the price of this commodity is going to get to this price, then this is going to be worth you know ten times more the the market cap that I see today. And then I buy. and then usually it goes down a little bit more, sometimes a lot more, and then I buy more. And that's it. I sit and and I wait. and eventually, sometimes the the price comes to me. Yeah. and this is this is what's been happening to gold and silver finally after some time, and I think lots of people are being handsomely rewarded for that.
0: Fabi, to me, you were one of the original gangsters, you know, the OGs in the uranium space when nobody, (laughs) nobody was interested in investing in uranium or uranium explorers. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Uh, But first, I do Mm -hmm. want to hit on this gold bull market. Um, This is one of the themes that has been playing around in my head, and, and I'm glad you're on to discuss this as we kind of set this tone. The bull market of 2020, which we're in now compared to what we had 10 years ago, say 2011, when we saw the original rush up to $1,900 gold. How is the sentiment different then compared to what it is now?
1: Okay, so I can only comment on two things. One is the actual sentiment around the commodity of silver and gold, because I was around, but I only invested in the mm-hmm. commodities, I didn't invest in uh, the mining shares back then. Um, but I can also comment on something that I've been looking at through Google Google Trends, which is actually quite handy. So. Uh, I do feel, if I'm honest with you, I do feel uh, intuitively almost like we're getting a little bit of frothiness in the market. You know, we're, we're technically having virtual high fives, all the gold bugs and, you know, mining speculators and things like that. And so it almost feels like, OK, everybody has had their 200 percent their 300 percent. Sometimes they're 10 backers or more. And some people are kind of wondering, OK, is is this? the top. And the reason why I don't feel like this is the top, although we do reach maybe a top at $2,000 some dollars an ounce in gold, is that um, we as a gold mining speculator slash investor community are such a small group of people. I mean, we follow the same names, we have the same conversations, and it's almost like a secret club. We are starting to see that uh, notion of investing in gold and gold miners uh, spread to institutions that are generalists. And this is what I like to see because... I guess we're very, very lucky this time around that the general stock market, the NASDAQ, is flying, right? We're looking at levels that nobody imagined even, heck, even in March, never mind a couple of years ago. They have really done a great job at making the market bounce back. Thank you very much, uh, dear uh, Mr. Powell. (laughs) And what's happening is... The the people who are usually late to the party, you know, what we call the the six-pack Joe's the I guess us Millennials uh, With Robin Hood trading accounts, although I know you and I are not that type of people uh, Those late stage people They don't need to come to gold and they don't need to come to miners yet Because they're just buying Tesla so they're happy enough and I don't think that we've reached that top because smart money is now getting into gold, and I just see us having a very, very long run because you know it's not very common for the likes of Warren Buffett to join at the top of anything. Granted, he he does he doesn't always make he, you make a home run on everything, and he does make mistakes, but. It's just not what we're seeing. We're starting to see pension funds look at gold and, you know, have uh, starter holdings, you know, 5% here, 5% there. That to me just does not signal a top whatsoever, even if our little community is very happy with 300% plus returns.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that, Fabi, because I think one of my observations is while a lot of... I hate to use Robinhood traders because not everybody uses Robinhood, but there are a lot of <laughs> young millennial type of uh, investors who are just buying call options and pushing some of these tech stocks higher. But what I'm seeing <laughs> is some of, some of the same people are also going in and buying call options on some of the silver ETFs or the gold ETFs, not necessarily – the companies, the producers or some of the mid-tiers that you can buy those options on, but some of the bigger, heavily traded ETFs in the precious metals sector. I am seeing that. Now it comes in waves. You know, when silver mm-hmm. had that big run-up a couple of weeks ago, I was seeing a lot of inflow of call options into those ETFs. Um, but since then, it's kind of died down, but we've also had a little bit of a consolidation down. So my I'm curious if... You know, obviously, there continues to be momentum in the tech stocks. We're seeing that every day. But if that dies down, will we continue to see some of that inflow from tech stocks back into precious metals and see that frenzy kind of transfer over to this sector? What do you think?
1: I think it really depends on what everything else does. And the one thing that we cannot leave outside of this discussion is what is happening to crypto. Because most people who have had recent-ish success that are around our age and have money to invest, they made their money in crypto. And so if crypto is picking up, why would they come to gold and silver? Uh, I guess what, what I'm trying to say is that there are many different competitors in this bull market for gold and silver. And this actually just... It makes me excited because I know that we don't have as many eyes as we could ultimately have in in the future uh, because everything is is going well right now. You know, you could almost invest in, in most things and, you know, wait a few weeks and there you go. You've, you've made a return. Uh, I, I think people will come eventually, but I think um, that sitting around and just waiting for people our age to... You know understand mining is a super lazy way of doing it i think that mining companies not could but should be actively um i, I guess promoting their stories in a way that makes sense to millennials uh it's a real uh, learning curve you right to get into mining you don't just all of a sudden wake up and say yeah i'm gonna buy a mining company I'm just going to throw money at this one, you know, anything with gold in the name. I mean, some people do that. But at the end of the day, if there is an exploration company and they're putting out drill results, most people don't really know (laughs) what what they mean until the price moves. And so, I mean, eventually millennials are going to be the ones who are, you know, the 40 year olds, the 50 year olds. We're going to take over eventually. It's just a matter of time, obviously. But I think it, it would serve companies well if they just started simplifying their message and saying, this is what we have. This is what we're trying to achieve. And, you know, this is how we believe that shareholders can make money. Uh, yeah, there are, there are many companies that I still, you know, I'm researching right now because I just uh, liquidated part of my my uh, gains in, in silver, silver stocks. And I'm looking at some of these companies. I'm looking at their, you know, websites and presentations, and I'm, I'm going, why, why don't you sell me <laughs> your company better? Like, why do you have to hide on page thirty-three that you have this going for you? So I, I think there's a lot more that could be done uh, to just speed up that process of millennials really getting mining. Yeah.
0: Uh, we got a few minutes left, Fabi, but I do want to ask you about uranium like i said you are my og in the uranium sector uh you knew more about it and educated me more about it when i knew nothing so are you still holding uranium stocks how are you playing this uh this recent moves in the uranium industry
1: Yes, yes, I am holding uranium. I'm probably going to hold uranium until it's too late because that's what I do. Um, I like to be early, but, you know, leaving uh, the market at the top is very, very difficult. Uh, I've just been more disciplined, not just with uranium, but with uh, all of my mining shares, because I have learned the very difficult lesson that I am a, a, a speculator for small um, miners small producers or developers that's it i have tried going off and you know doing exploration i've tried investing in even good royalty companies but i either get bored or they don't work out and i'm too slow to sell when i eventually sell they're worth nothing and so I'm just sticking to what I really know and like. And so, yes, I do still hold uh, maybe four different uranium companies, uh, but I'm actually looking to to increase that and get into some of the names that I have been looking at for several years and just haven't started the position in. Uh, yeah, I mean, silver is something really interesting because it's very difficult to find good silver companies. I mean, let me rephrase that. It's very difficult to find cheap silver companies it's almost impossible you can find companies that are silver only but cheap is another thing altogether uh so much so that explorers have been doing really really well because everybody's just hoping that this is the next you know big silver discovery uh and so i plan on putting some of my gains in that uh you know in the uranium story it started to take off and it's weird you know we were just commenting before hitting record here, uh, there's a lot of expectation or there was a lot of expectation that the the spot price yeah. of uranium was going to go up. That was the whole story, you know, from the beginning of 2020. That was the story that, you know, uh, Kazakhstan is going to. Not produce as much as they have been telling us. And you know this is ongoing. They say that every year. and <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, you have to look at the numbers of what they actually did, not what they promised to do. Uh, and so production was curtailed in a few different mines, and there's chemicals saying, we're not going to fire up our production until there's you know a decent price. And then nothing happens to the price of the commodity. And in fact, just recently started to go down as the price of the stocks started to take off. And so (laughs) some of these things are not easily explained because uranium is such an opaque market. So I can't tell you how much uranium there is available at any point it's it's not like gold where you can go to these research groups i mean yes you can but the research companies around uranium don't agree mm-hmm. and you're left with guesses basically and nobody is really willing to tell everything that they know yeah. and so this is why i just find pounds on the ground and i think to myself okay how much is this going to be worth at 60 uranium how much is it worth now okay Is management half decent? Are they not gonna dilute me to kingdom come? And if I sense the answer is a go, then I put my money in, and I forget about it for several years. So that that's my big strategy. (laughs) It's not complicated. I just look for something that is unloved and undervalued, and I just buy it and wait.
0: That that spot price, it, it's been a head-turner for me, too. Uh, after hearing that, both those two large producers have been buying on the spot market because it's cheaper than what they can produce it at. It
1: uh, it's,
0: the fact that uranium just kind of, the spot price can has continued to grind a little bit lower and lower each week for the last month mm-hmm. has just been, <laughs> I just don't get it out. I don't get it at
1: all. You know what? Nobody gets it. I think as a community, the Uranium Fin Twitch should come together and say we were wrong about everything because everybody thought the spot price was going up. It didn't. And everybody thought that that was going to be the trigger for the stocks to go up. And that is not the trigger because stocks are going up without it. So, yeah, who the heck knows?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Fabi, let's wrap it up there. can we do this more often? Can you come back on mining stock daily? For sure. It's good. It's good. absolutely. It's yeah. so good to have you back on. I feel like <laughs> I feel like uh, I've got a friend back. It's been so long since you and I chatted. Yes. So,
1: I know it's. Uh, I mean, it's tough to travel nowadays. So I guess this is what we got to do.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, it's probably what we would have been doing anyways. But uh, hopefully, I get to see you in person <laughs> sooner, sooner than later. Uh, Fabby. I hope so. Uh, hey, everybody! If you're not following her on Twitter she's at the next big rush uh she's a wonderful follow and uh man so excited to share this with everybody thank you so
1: much fabi thank you all the best trevor Uh,
0: we that's going to wrap up today guys uh we will be back guys and girls we will be back uh tomorrow morning with the news briefing have yourself a great rest of the afternoon evening uh be well everybody cheers